Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, to the tens and maybe less listening around the world. You're about to listen to the most prestigious football award show to ever grace this earth. Welcome to the first ever A&J Football Award Show. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Javin from the A&J Podcast. Thank you, thank you, you know. When I was a little kid growing up, I always wanted to host one of these award shows. Nobody ever thought that I could make it. You know, it's such a big honor to me to host the first annual A&J Football Awards. And, I mean, I, I'm more blessed than anybody could imagine. I'd like to thank the committee, my, my mom, for getting me here. I would never be here without her, you know. So, uh, let's start this off really quick. The first award is the Latrell Spreewell Award. This award goes to the player who is most likely going to choke out a member of the coaching staff. And the winner is... Jamal Adams. Um, who saw this coming, you know? They were talking about Adam Gates becoming the offensive coordinator for the Seahawks. And Jamal Adams probably shitting his pants in the locker room thinking that he's going to have to deal with Adam Gates again. So who knows what relationship is going to be like with Pete Carroll coming into next season. Nobody knows. It's unpredictable. And we actually have Jamal Adams here to accept the award today. Can you believe that, Adam? No, I can't believe it. I can't believe he showed up. I know, and you know, now here to accept this award, Jamal Jamal Adams. I'm, oh, I'm sorry, I'm I'm getting a, a word from our producer. Jamal Adams actually isn't coming. Uh, he actually returned my phone call and told me to go fuck myself. So, uh, I mean, I guess Jamal Adams is not here. Um, you know, Adam, you you can have this trophy. Oh, th- thanks, big bro. Thank you. No problem. Appreciate no problem. It. Appreciate. Would that. you like to present the the next award? Yeah. So I have the envelope right here. The award uh, for Dancing on the Star Award, named after uh, the Terrell Owens celebration on the star after the touchdown. I don't know if you guys remember that one. And let's open it up. The winner for Dancing on the Star Award goes to... Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. So Juju Smith-Schuster from Dancing on the Logo all year has won the pristine award. Juju, can you come up here and accept your award? Uh, Juju? I, I, I know you told me uh, before that I was supposed to get Juju on here, but uh, he uh, he decided he didn't want to show up. Oh. Uh, we'll just we'll just mail it to him. It's okay. Yeah, I, I'm sure he can't wait. And, I mean, I, I don't think it's his first award he's going to get. His only award, you know? Yeah. And I actually, he might this have is, more coming. <laughs> this is actually a two-part award. So, Terrell Owens dancing on the logo. If you guys don't remember, he caught a touchdown versus the Cowboys a long time ago. And after the touchdown, he... Went onto the logo and started dancing, and then got popped while he was dancing on the logo. Yep. So, this one's called the National Football Teague. This is the George <laughs> Teague Award, which is the guy that popped Terrell Owens when he was dancing on the logo. And this award goes to Von Bell for knocking Juju's ass off, and forcing him to fumble the ball during the big game and when they lost to Cincinnati. So Von Bell here. Uh, Von Bell is actually here. Here you go, Von Bell. He actually showed up. That's you go. that's amazing. He, any word? No, no words. Nothing. I, I don't think he has anything to say. You don't want to? Okay. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs> but uh, thank you, Von Bell, for showing up. You know, you you never know who's gonna be here at the most prestigious award show in all of football. You know, anybody could show up. Who knows? And you know, it's just an honor for me and you to be able to host this together. You know what I'm saying? Of course. You want to uh, call out the next award? Mm-hmm. The next award, the Spike Lee Award, 
goes to the player who choked worse than anybody else this season. And the winner... Hold on. Hold on. Apparently, we have a first-time ever occurrence in the ANJ Football Awards. Uh, it's come to my attention that all 52 players of the Atlanta Falcons have won this award. <laughs> uh, I think we're going to need more trophies to be able to get us to them, you know? Yeah. It's incredible. 52 separate players won this award. And you honestly love to see it. Everyone getting commemoration for this for their effort this season. Spectacular stuff. That was great. Should I call the next award? Yeah, go ahead. So this award was previously known as the James Harden Award, now known as the Deshaun Watson Award. This is to the player most likely to request a trade out of Houston. And I kind of opened it up to baseball too, just because just to give out, you know, more uh more uh, opportunity to people. Mm-hmm. We have, let's see, opening it up. La La Land. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> JJ Watt. JJ, sorry, sorry. No, La La Land, stop, don't come up. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You guys didn't win. I'm, I'm sorry. My producer's in my ear right now. JJ Watt won the award. Most likely to request a trade from Houston. I'm sorry. JJ Watt, you here? This seems JJ Watt's very upset. That uh, you you uh, misread the name. He's not even coming up to the to the stage to accept his award. Guys, JJ Watt just got up and left. He just that's got up a, and left the Zoom call. <laughs> that's tragic. You hate to see it. I I'm sorry. I this, that wasn't professional. Me, I'm sorry. Yeah, you really screwed the pooch on that one, man. Maybe JJ Watt was gonna sponsor us. Who knows? Anyway, I I guess I'll just next we have the Jackson Mahomes Award in TikTok Excellence. This award goes to the player who's been very dedicated to keeping his TikTok up. Even if it's detrimental to his play. And the winner is... Juju Smith-Schuster. A two-time A&J Award winner in the same day. Isn't that incredible? That is, that's incredible. I don't, that's uh, never happened before. I'm getting, a, I'm getting a word from my producer. Uh, apparently, Juju Smith has let us know that if we say his name one more time during this award show, he's going to come and kill both of us. Uh, I don't. I like to see him try, honestly. <laughs> so, uh, should like, like to get started with the next word? I, I think, I think Juju forgot that we have Von Bell in the, in the, <laughs> in the place, in the, in the venue. Von Bell, you still here? Wait, hold up. Yeah, Von Bell's right here. He, he's in the back eating the sandwiches. So he, don't you don't gotta worry about it. All right, we're good. We're good. I got the whole Cincinnati Bengals in my mind. We're good. All right, so the next award is the Tankathon Award. Ooh. This goes to the individual most dedicated to the tank. Obviously, there's uh people always talk about tanking, tanking, but they don't really commit to the tank. This is for the person who's committed to the tank throughout the year. Can we get it? Can we get a drum roll, please? And the winner is Greg Williams, former Jets defensive coordinator. Greg, come up here. Wow. <laughs> So, wow, that's cr- that's crazy, man. So many so many players, man, just getting what they deserve today. Mm-hmm. Greg Williams, uh, I I can't argue that award. You know, he was dedicated to the tank. Would you like to give us some examples from the season to to really show the viewers at home? You know what if they don't understand. Uh so Greg Williams, I think what really put him over the top, other than the one in fifteen record this season and Jets being a horrible defense, but I like to go back to that one clip of uh, the the Raider game when it was like less than a minute fourth quarter down up a touchdown I believe or six points mm-hmm. and he called a cover zero 
And wow. he left a rookie cornerback on the fastest receiver probably in the league, Henry Ruggs. And I think that was that was very inspirational, honestly, that he was that devoted to the tank. That, that's true inspiration right there. Some people would have folded. Some people would have would have just dropped back eight, six guys, you know? Mm-hmm. No, he was like, no, we're going to see this through. Wow, that's spectacular. The tankathon doesn't end. It's not a sprint. It's a tankathon. <laughs> uh, for my second to last award, I have uh, the Polly Award. This award's named after uh, the player that broke Geno Smith's jaw. I don't know how to say his name. I'm not even going to attempt to. This award goes to the player who hates his quarterback the most. And the winner for the Polly Award for the 2020 A&J Football Award Ceremony is Evan Ingram. Wow. Wow. Who saw that coming? You know, Evan Ingram dropped a lot of catches, a lot of interceptions off his hands. He, You know he hates Daniel Jones. Every time he sees him, he just wants to punch a hole through his face. You can just tell the look on his face. He does yeah. not like that guy. I'm surprised. I thought there were some other guys that could have won that award. But, yeah, Evan Ingram definitely deserved it. He definitely had something to have against Daniel Jones. I don't know what it was. Just caused six fumble, uh, six interceptions, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I don't I don't know. Maybe we'll find – is Evan here? Can we can we interview him right now or uh, – No, he's he, he refused to show up. Oh, he, he's at the Pro Bowl game right now. Yeah, oh. he's at the Pro Bowl game. He was busy. Okay. <laughs> well, on, speaking dude. of Pro Bowl, for the next award, Evan Ingram, don't go anywhere if you're here. Um, the Pro Bowler most likely to be cut next year. Uh, the award goes to, well, the Pro Bowler who will most likely be cut. And I went through all the Pro Bowlers this year. And I seriously looked and I said, who, what Pro Bowler has a realistic chance of being cut next year? Let go. So let's see. Let's open it up. And the winner is... Evan Ingram, back-to-back awards. Wow. Another two-time winner. Wow, we're, we're setting all new records here. That First, is, it was Juju with the two awards. Now, Evan Ingram with two awards back-to-back. A whole team winning awards. This is just unprecedented in, yeah. in the history of the A&J Football Awards ceremony. Wow. So, here you go, Evan. Oh, he's still not here? Okay. He's at yeah, the Pro he, Bowl. I forgot. He, he refused to show up. I, I told him what the awards were for, and uh, he just... You know what it was? I think he was so surprised that he got an award. Like, he was so surprised he made the Pro Bowl that he didn't show up. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. I think that's what happened. Makes sense. Makes sense to me. Uh, for my final award, I have the MVP award. This award goes to a player whose on-field dedication is only unmatched by the dedication off the field. And the winner for the Most Valuable Parent Award... Goes to Philip Rivers, <laughs> spectacular. Philip Rivers raising like seventy kids on his own, never gonna retire because he's got to pay off all these, you know, all those college tuitions and whatnot. And it's just a, it's a testament to how strong he is to his on court, on his on field like dedication to his dedication as a father off the field. You know, you love to see it. Yeah, no, he definitely deserved the award. There was no question. <clears throat> I, yep. Not a better baron in the NFL than than Rivers. <laughs> Alright, so for the last award, right? This is the last one? Yeah. This is the Aaron Rodgers Award. This is for the quarterback for uh excellent quarterback play in the NFC. It's for a, a figurehead, person that's great on the field, off the field, who continues to get better and better. Ladies and gentlemen, the Aaron Rodgers Award goes to Tom Brady. Tom Brady, you got the Aaron Rodgers Award. Are you- Tom Brady here. Oh, Tom Brady's here. He's here to collect that trophy, actually. 
Oh, he's kissing his son on the lips. Oh. <laughs> Tom Brady uh, kissing his son on the lips. Okay, he's walking up here. Here you go, Tom. Thank you. I appreciate it. I see you guys. For excellent quarterback play in the NFC, the Aaron Rodgers Award goes to Tom Brady. Excellent. Amazing. The la- that was the last award. Any anything? I thought it was pretty good. I, th- I think for a first award ceremony, I thought it went pretty well. But I yeah. think we should we should start getting on to the podcast now. Let me get out of my three-piece suit. Yeah. You know? I mean, let me just... Let me unbuckle the pants. Let me take off the tie. So, uh, what do you want to start with talking about first? you want to talk about football first? Ah, uh, since we did the award show, why not? Um, So, Houston signed former Ravens assistant head coach. And not only the head coach. He's the wide, he was the head coach, right? Assistant head coach. Mm. Wide receiver coach. Pass mm. game coordinator. And, I mean, this guy, he's probably the water boy, the janitor. Probably prints the screens on the jerseys and shit. Like, the numbers, you know? Uh, mm. Houston signed David Cully. Yeah. So, uh, David Cully is kind of an unknown. Like, he had a lot of jobs with the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Kind of an unknown. Uh, I don't know if that will help keep Deshaun Watson. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything Cully can say to change his mind. But, I mean, for a hire, for for a head coach hire, sure, he's sounds like he has a pretty good resume. We'll see. Um, his first te- uh, test doesn't even start when the season starts. His first test is to reaching out to Watson, him and Sirani or whatever the general manager's name. I think it's Sirani or something. And they got to try to convince Deshaun Watson to stay. So it's going to be a tough uh, first assignment for the new head well, coach. I, I think we're going to get to talking about Deshaun Watson trades in a minute. Mm. Uh, the biggest news coming out this week, right? I don't know why I didn't start with this, but it's whatever. Uh, Stafford got traded to the Rams mm-hmm. for uh, Jared Goff and two first-round picks and a second-round pick, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, all in all, I think this plays good for both sides. The Rams never keep their first-round picks. I, you know, they always trade them for some reason. Uh, Stafford goes on the Rams. I think it's a good fit for him. You know, he's... Sean McVay's a good coach. He went from the worst defense in the league to the best defense in the league. Last year, at least. He has a good receiving core over there. I think uh, I think it's going to be good for the Rams that they signed Matthew Stafford. I think the only loser in this trade really is Jared Goff, probably. And Deshaun Watson, too. But we'll get into that in a second. Uh, the Lions GM's making big trades start off his tenure. I think that's big. You know, shows that he's... He's he wants to change stuff around here, you know. Mm. Stafford's been there for how long now? Like, you know, eleven years, something like that. Yeah. You know, if they're not gonna get it done with him, they might they might as well try something else. They're getting some picks. They got another quarterback who's you know he, he can throw the ball. Not a big Jared Goff guy, but I mean he's not terrible, you know. Mm. Um, what do you think about this whole trade? Yeah, actually, I think this is a huge win for the Rams to find a a sucker. To find someone actually willing to take Jerry Goff's contract and also be getting a upgrade at the quarterback position. I mean, that that seemed kind of impossible just a couple of days ago, and they got it done. Now, it did take two first-round picks, and I think a third, right? I think it was a two third or a second? Third. Yeah, I think it was a third. might have been a second. So, they don't really, they don't really value the first-round picks anyways. They're win-now mode, so the first-round pick's not going to haunt you. You know, when you're trying to win now, it does you know, it always helps to get the first round picks, but when you're trying to win now, you can live with it. Uh, I think there was to get rid of Jared Goff's money and to get a, a a pretty decent upgrade at the quarterback position, someone that can actually run an offense and be more than just a 
you know, a field general, or, you know, guy to get you a couple first downs and kick a field goal and stuff. Um, I think Detroit, this also was not a bad trade, depending on how they view Jared Goff. Um, I hope they, for Lions fans, I hope they view um, Goff as an asset and not any kind of, you know, franchise quarterback or the answer quarterback, you know. They got the mm-hmm. two first-round picks. They should try to maybe hold him off for a year or two. Maybe his maybe plays good, and then you try to flip him for another first. So maybe a team, maybe there's a quarterback that goes down on a Super Bowl caliber team, you know. Something happens, and then you could flip him for a first-round pick. So, you know, the Lions are nowhere near close to contending. Yeah. So their best chance of trying to get there is uh, just try to collect as many first-round picks as they can. And they did with this trade. And I said before, I think Deshaun Watson is one of the losers coming out of this trade. And I said that because, um, so, the Rams traded two first-round picks and a third, right? Mm. That was for Stafford. And, uh, you know, what does that mean for, like, uh, someone like Watson, his trade value, you know? Mm. Like, if you need uh, two firsts and a third and a starting-caliber quarterback, what what are teams going to have to be able to give up to get Deshaun Watson, you know, like the Jets? Hmm. What are they going to have to give up to get him? So I think um, the reason the trade package was so heavy for Stafford is because Goff is a starting caliber quarterback, but he also is a 30 million cap hit. So you have to find a team willing to take and pay his big contract. He's got a big contract. And very limited teams have the space to do that. So that's why I think they viewed at um, – taking back off as a salary dump, even though he's still a decent quarterback, you know, like a average quarterback. So that's where I think this, the second first round pick came from, or maybe, you know, the third round pick. So I think if it's just Deshaun Watson and the Texans aren't taking back a big contract like that back, I think it will still take three first round picks, maybe four and a young controllable player that has pro bowl level potential. Whether that's a quarterback like Tua or Sam Darnold from the Jets and the Dolphins, whether that's Quinn Williams from the Jets, whether that's Xavier Howard or whoever, you know. Mm-hmm. But there, there's a report saying that they want defensive players. So take one defensive, one good defensive player from one of these teams reported to have interest in him. Maybe even the 49ers. They got some defensive talent that they can give up and their defense will still be good. And they have draft picks, you know? Yeah. So I still think it's three to four first and a young controllable player. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, the 49ers, there have been reports that uh, they're looking into Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. Trying to make a move on him. Uh, uh, Kyle Shanahan, apparently he loves the guy. Yeah, uh, I don't really understand this one. I mean, I understand that they're in a very tough position because... They would have to get rid of Jimmy. I think that would probably be what would happen. They would yeah. probably just swap quarterbacks and picks would swap hands. Um, I don't know. I think I kind of was hoping that the 49ers would go a different approach and try to get an even better quarterback Cousins because Cousins is okay. I mean, Garoppolo sucks, so you're getting an improvement there. But I thought maybe you uh, the Stafford they could have been on. Um. Deshaun Watson, maybe they could be on. So I'm not. I don't think Kirk Cousins puts them over the top, 
I still think they have a great defense, great offensive line, good running backs. So, I mean, can Kirk Cousins go in a system like that and win games? Yeah, of course, because you're not really asking him to do much. You're asking him to get first downs and hand the ball off. That sounds like Kirk Cousins, right? Yep. Handing the ball off. So, I think it's interesting. I think they're in a pretty shitty spot. So, the options are kind of limited. Uh, you know, so not much to say. I will see how this uh, report uh, evolves as the days go. Yeah, definitely. Anything else in football news that happened? No, just the Pro Bowl, but I was looking at the stream and it was kind of whack. I only watched it for a couple of minutes. I think they were playing Madden or something. Huh? Yeah, they were. So, they were playing Madden. I, I forgot who it was. There was they were just talk. They were just interviewing players. They were playing Madden. I was kind of. I didn't watch it. I, didn't, I wasn't really too interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I mean, Super Bowl is next week. Hmm. You want to talk about that? Of course, we can talk about it. Our pickums because we didn't do them last week. Oh, we didn't. Oh, so yeah. It is Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay uh, Bucks versus Chiefs at Tampa. Home court, home field advantage goes to Tampa, and it kind of sucks. That this is the first time it's ever happened because there's no fans in the stadium. Uh, like that sucks. Fans. They're not gonna have a lot, but they're gonna. Have yeah, yeah, oh yeah. That's what I mean. It's not. It's not like a packed Tampa Bay Bucks crowd state. You know. Yeah. It's somewhere where the place is packed. And it's all Bucks fans. So I have kind of that kind of sucks, but I think as far as matchup goes, I think this is gonna be a real good Super Bowl, man. I think it's gonna be close. I think it's gonna come down to whoever has the ball last. Mm-hmm. You know, so whoever get whoever gets the ball with the, the two minutes in the fourth, down a touchdown or down six points, whatever, probably end up winning. And I think, I think I have the Chiefs winning this game. I think the score will be thirty-five, thirty-four. At that close, thirty-two. Mm-hmm. That's my final thirty-five, thirty-two Chiefs. All right. Uh, yeah. I also have the Chiefs winning. I mean, like you said, it's going to be a good Super Bowl. I agree. Uh, it's got to be better than Tom Brady's last Super Bowl because that one was terrible. But uh, Chiefs just looking good, man. They just haven't slowed down at all since last year, you know? And everyone was thinking, like, during the regular season that they were slowing down, this, this, and that. But, I mean, they showed it in the playoffs, you know? They come into play. They're here. They want to win another game. They want to win another Super Bowl, you know? And, I mean, it's it's looking like that could possibly happen. The I was I've been talking about the Tampa Bay receiving core, you know. Every playoff game so far, and I think if there's any defense that can help slow it down, is going to be the Chiefs' defense. The Chiefs played the defense on the Bills last week, uh, two weeks ago. They played amazing defense. They were all over the receivers, you know, sticking to them, making sure they weren't getting big gains or anything like that. So I think the Chiefs are going to win it out. I think it's going to be a close game. I do, th- I I could see like the in the thirties, like you said. I'm not sure my exact score, but I could see it being in the thirties, mm. around that mark. Yeah, listen, I think Tampa Bay has the best matchup to possibly upset the Chiefs because I think they're the mm-hmm. favorites right now because they're at home. Their offense is pretty electric, just like the Chiefs. They can go head on, you know, they can go a shootout and not, you know, skip a beat, you know. Yeah, and I actually th- actually think that their defense is a pretty good, um, pretty good versus the Chiefs because you can't really slow down this offense, but what you can do is slow down Patrick Mahomes. So you're not going to be mm-hmm. able to slow Tyree Kill and Kelsey and uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire and and um, 
Le'Veon Bell and all these guys that they have, Sammy Watkins and stuff. But you could slow down, um, you could slow down um, Patrick Mahomes. And how you do yeah. that with their edge rushers? And if they're constantly getting to him and knocking him down, you, it's they have a, they're gonna have a really sh- good shot to win the whole thing. So, I still think that Andy Reid's such a great offensive uh, mind that he's expecting a lot of blitzes and a lot of corner blitzes, slot blitzes, guys coming from different angles, you know, a gap blitzes, whatever. But I think he'll have some kind of plan to try to keep get the ball out of uh, Mahomes' hands fast. A lot of screens, a lot of reverses, a lot of um, misdirections and stuff like that. So I still think mm-hmm. I, Chiefs are winning, even though Tom Brady and the and the Bucks have a really good matchup versus them. Yeah. So what do you want to talk about next? I feel like there's something that happened in football. Oh, Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. You're talking about him possibly not retiring. And maybe coming back for another season. Yeah, I seen that. I don't know if I believe that. Yeah, I mean that's such that's just a terrible idea. <laughs> I think you know what it is when you, when you're a competitor like that, and you kind of lose like the way they did. It was kind of embarrassing. You know, yeah. he didn't have a good performance. And he, you know, the competitor in him probably wants to run it back one more year. Mm-hmm. But I think if he takes some time off, speaks to his family and stuff, I think he'll ultimately come at to the decision that. I think it's best to retire because he doesn't really have a lot of juice left, you know, and he's getting old and you don't want to get hurt playing f- for, you know, no reason, you know? Yeah. So I hope Tom, I hope, not Tom, I hope Drew Brees retires. Uh, I mean, not that I hope he retires, but I hope he makes the right decision. I think the right decision is retiring. Yeah. I mean, he threw the past two seasons, he's thrown under 3,000 yards, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's not Drew Brees. Drew Brees doesn't throw under three thousand yards. So I don't. I think that's one of those things where the report comes out, but it might be all gas, no, uh, you know, no fire. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. You want to shift our attention towards uh, basketball, New York basketball. Yeah, let's let's shift the attention to the Nets, who come in off a pretty brutal loss. Yeah. Um, brutal loss to the Wizards. I don't know how you lose to the Wizards. And they gave up, what, 147 against them? 149. 149. And the whole game was just back and forth. Just James Harden and Kyrie going at it against Bradley Bill and and, uh, Westbrook. The whole game, high scoring. Nobody's missing. Everybody's making buckets. No defense. Nobody cares about defense. Looked like an all-star game. You know, it looked like the East versus West. Yeah. And then comes down to the last play of the game. Someone had the ball in their hands, and they tried to throw it to... Actually, let me go back one more, one more, one more play. So Bradley Bill takes the ball up to court with like 20 seconds. Literally, just takes the ball, goes to the three-point line, shoots a hit to three. Now they're only down one. So here comes the inbound the in- pass. I think it was, it might have been Kyrie or something. Tried to pass it to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant wasn't looking, wasn't paying attention. Um, the the white boy steals it. I don't know his name. Gives it to Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook takes a three, hits it. Now they're up two, and I think they had a pretty decent look to win it, and then they lost. Mm-hmm. So it was a bad loss, and we talked about this multiple times on this pod that their defense is really bad. Their defense in the paint, their rebounding, their rim protection is really bad, and this is what a team like the Wizards, they're, they're not good. They're losing a lot. Their offense is good, but their defense is atrocious. So you, now you look at... They lost to the Cavs twice. They lost to the Wizards. 
how can you really take this team serious when they're going against better talent? Yeah. When they're going against uh, Braun and Anthony Davis or Jokic and Jamal Murray or whoever from the West, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, Even, the Lakers might could fuck around and drop 200 points on them, you know? Yeah, I mean... I'm pretty sure this is the highest scoring regular season game in, like, with no overtimes. Yeah, it's, that's insane. I mean, letting the Wizards score 150 points on you, well, you know, their only, like, reliable scorer is Bradley Beal. Like, Westbrook had a great game, but, you know, he's been he's been rocky this whole year. Mm-hmm. Especially numbers the are declining. Yeah, his shooting, num- shooting is terrible. Numbers are declining. It doesn't seem like the Nets are doing anything to really uh, change this. Like, they're, they want to go after JaVale McGee. But, I mean, JaVale McGee can't be your defensive anchor. He, he's He's not that guy. He's not... A defensive anchor. Mm-hmm. He's good, you know, with there's a good defense around him, like on the Warriors. There's an amazing defense around him. The Lakers, amazing defense around him. And he really shined in those situations. But when you're putting him with a team that doesn't have a good defense, I don't know if that's the right guy you want to go after. They should not have traded Jared Allen. And maybe Jared Allen was the only reason that they got the trade done in the first place. But I mean, who are they going to pick up? Who's going to want to trade? Like a, a mm. very good defensive center to them, you know? And do they even have the assets to make a trade like that? That's also true. Maybe they trade James Harden again, you know? Yeah, listen, this is what Sean Marks, the GM of the Nets, this is what he signed up for when he made that trade. Yeah. He signed up for a team that's going to score a lot of points, but also give up a lot of points. This is what, you know, this is what he signed up for when he made that trade. Gave yeah. up a lot of first-round picks, got, gave up Jared Allen, who we talked about, is was really important in that trade because he offered them some rim protection and offered them a you know a decent rebounder. And it, right now it's looking like this is not a championship roster right now. This is a this is a roster that could get to the championship, you know. But I don't. Uh, they, they give up their defense is too bad. Their perimeter defense is bad. Their interior defense is bad. Can't grab rebounds, and you you mortgage a lot of your future. To win a championship now, so they have to be aggressive. If it's JaVale McGee, if it's Tyson Chandler, if it's I heard apparently Andre Drummond might be bought out, they have to be okay. all over him. They have to be all over him because I think that would be a really good addition to this team. Uh, um, but yeah, right now this is it's not really looking too well for the Nets. Uh, they got to get this done, and Steve Nash is kind of refusing to make any changes with the the lineup or anything and KD Kevin Durant still taking his rest days so all this will be we'll see when they get to the postseason if how things look yeah I mean Kyrie Irving said after the game he said uh well I I couldn't guard a stick out there or something mm. something like that like I'm, I'm pretty sure if me and you were out there we could have scored like you know 10 points maybe yeah I mean if, just, they... I mean, if you're throwing out throwing out 150 points and you might as well Honestly, watching the game, it was just if you run enough up and down the court, you'll score a couple points, a couple layups, yeah. a couple jump shots wide open, you know? So, I mean, it's it's very – and when it comes to these superstars, because they are so pro, are so used to doing so much on the offensive end that they you don't really see them hustling back on defense and stuff. Not to say that Harden's not hustling back or Durant's not hustling back. It's just – when, when you sign up, when you get these star players, that's what you have to expect, you know? That's yeah. why role players are so important because those are the guys that hustle back. 
And they do so much on the defensive side of the end, and they let the superstars carry the offensive side of the ball. But when you put three superstars, it's kind of um, a la- not a lazy. You know what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah, yeah. Kind of like a, I'll say it, it's kind of like a laziness. Mm-hmm. You know, they just not used to hustling back and hustling and diving for balls and making the gritty plays. You know. Yep. So that's kind of what this team's lacking right now. And I mean, listen, we'd be talking about this even if the score was reversed. You know, mm. like even if the Nets won, we'd still be talking about how they let. The Wizards score 48 points in a quarter. <laughs> yeah. And let them score 146 points. Like, there's no way around that the Nets' defense is not good. Yeah. And they shouldn't be letting teams that are this bad, the Wizards are 4-12, and 3-12 and 12 before this game, score 149 points on them, you know? Yeah. It's unprecedented, especially with no overtime. Like, that is that is crazy. And the way they fell apart, too, just didn't look good. Yeah. It was just a heartbreaking loss, all in all. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's still second in the East, though. Oh, yeah, we should mention that, yeah. You know, come playoff time, it's uh, you're going to have to, you know... Really, Step it up. Yeah, figure something out. I mean, the last two games, Oklahoma City dropped 125, Atlanta dropped 128, which they both won. The Nets game was... uh the, the I mean, sorry, the Heat game, the second Heat game they played... The Heat only scored like 85 points, something like that. I don't know what happened there. I didn't watch the game, but hmm. these teams should not be able to drop this much points. This is like so high scoring, you know? Yeah. I think that's it for the Nets, you know? Yeah. But they're second place right now, but there's no trophy for second place in the East. And, you you know, it's all about winning a championship. Mm-hmm. Let's swing it over to the Knicks now. Yep. Who coming off a, I don't know if it was a heartbreaking loss. Or an encouraging loss. I don't know. It was a really confusing loss to the Clippers. Where RJ did great. Randall did great. Quickly was out of this world. He quickly played absolutely phenomenal. But the, ultimately they lost by uh, by double digits. So yeah. it was a good game. I watched the game. It was really good. It felt like every time Quickly had the ball, he did something great with it. felt like RJ was getting to his spots. He was defending Kawhi all game. They were going at it. It was great. Uh, Julius Randle continues to put up his numbers. But I think what we've seen in this game was that Clippers are just more talented, you know. And when it comes to a shootout, um, Knicks don't have the talent on the offensive side of the ball to to get to shoot out with another team, you know. They just don't have the offensive talent. They don't have enough shooting. They don't have enough guys to create their own shot. And that's what happened. They got into a shootout with a really good shooting team with Kawhi, with Paul George, Marcus Morris, uh, Reggie Jackson, all these guys, Canard, uh, uh, and they couldn't keep up. It was still a great, you know, effort by them. But I think it says this loss says two things: that they have pieces that could be um, building blocks for the future. Quickly, R.J. Randall, Mitch, who played pretty well-ish, and but it also says that this roster is not done. There's a lot of work to be done. We're not close to competing for anything serious now, but maybe in a year or two with more draft picks, more free agency uh, signings, that this could be a good team. They have a nice little core right there between RJ, Quick, Randall, Mitch. I mean, they're the Knicks, you know. You got to hmm. build around these young people, make trades for some shooters, and then go from there, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm hearing that JJ Redick is on the market. Okay. 
So I think most likely he'll end up getting traded to a a more serious contender for a championship because he's at, you know he's at, he's really respected. He's at that age. It's probably what he wants, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but if he was willing to come to the Knicks, I think he would be a perfect fit. Honestly, that's someone who we need. We need just need someone that can shoot at an elite clip and knock down wide open threes because that's just something we don't have on this roster. Yeah. Um, I think Lonzo Balls also was. Uh, they said that he might be available. Well, that's a, that's a lethal shooter right there. So, <laughs> and Derrick Rose is apparently so. Me honestly, I don't really want Lonzo or or Derrick Rose because mm-hmm. I feel like you would have to give up an asset for them. And why would you want? What do the Knicks have against shoot, point guards that can shoot? I know, like yeah, we don't need another point guard that can't shoot. Maybe Derrick Rose is probably better as a scorer than than Alfred Payton, no question. But does he fix the roster's biggest issue? No, he's kind of more of a marginal upgrade, you know. Yeah, he's not gonna push the needle. He's not gonna put the Knicks over the top. So I'm not interested in Derrick Rose. I don't think Derrick Rose is interested in coming back and playing 40 minutes a game under Thibodeau. Yeah. I don't know if his knees can take that. Um, and then Lonzo, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe if, you, if it's for nothing, they kind of give him away. You'd be interested, but I don't think they'll give just give him away. Yeah, no, definitely not. Anything else to talk about in basketball? Uh, I mean the Rockets are playing pretty good. Oh, you can talk about the Rockets. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, five-game win streak, you know. DeMarcus Cousins was holding it down while uh, Christian Wood was out. Dropped, he had a 27-point game, 27-10, something like that, I believe. Mm. I mean, yeah, you know, we're not being like... I mean, we beat the Mavericks by a lot. We beat Portland. You know, Washington's in there, Detroit, Pelicans. But, I mean, five-game win streak, still five-game win streak. I mean, Oladipo's playing well. Uh, John Wall's playing well. You know, hmm. Christian Wood is playing very well this season. Might might be most improved player of the year when it's all said and done because he's playing out of his mind. He really is. It's just good to see, you know, even after the trade, we're still trending upwards now, finally. Yeah, and John Wall's doing a real good job. Mm-hmm. I think Houston's really, uh, like the fans really embracing him. I, yeah, definitely. You know, you're a Houston fan. Are you really embracing John Wall? I, I mean, yeah, I always loved John Wall when I was on the Wizards. And, you know, when he came here, it's like, you know, if he could stay healthy, I think he could make a big impact. And he's been staying healthy, and he's been making a big impact. So, I mean, you know, what else is there to say? You think that the Rockets could win anything with him if they continue to no. build puzzle pieces? <laughs> no, not not how the West is right now. Mm-hmm. I think the West is very top-heavy, where it's, like, weighted towards the, the top, like, half-seeds. Mm. And then... After that, like, it's very hard to win. Hmm. So I'm thinking, like, Clippers, Lakers, Jazz, Denver, you know? Hmm. Those are the four teams that I can see making it out of the West. And the Nuggets are playing spectacular. I mean, they snapped the Utah's winning streak, 11, uh, 10 games, 11 games. Jokic went crazy. I, I always love, ever since the playoff series, you know, every Utah-Denver game feels exciting, you know? It's a good matchup. Something crazy is going to happen, yeah. Yeah. Love it. But for right now, I mean, I think it's very hard to win coming out of the West. I feel like it's easier in the East because the East is a lot more unpredictable, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think a lot of people saw the Heat making it to the finals last year. I didn't see it coming when it did, but I loved it. That's pretty much it on the Rockets side of things. So you would much rather see them build up slowly? 
like a full yeah. rebuild or or I like a fake rebuild where it's like you're kind of competitive but you're also kind of you know waiting for draft picks to to finalize and stuff yeah, you know i'd love to be competitive you know even if we don't win anything it's always yeah. good to see your team win and like be a high seed especially when you're friends with like a bunch of knicks fans and you gotta have fights about records and stuff like that yeah you know what i'm talking about uh yeah, nah. you know what i'm talking about no i'm not really yeah, you know what all right so about. what's next on the on the agenda <sighs> Anything you want to talk about? Uh, on the baseball side, not a whole lot to talk about. Mets made a trade for Yoden, Jordan Yamamoto from the Marlins. Uh, not much to say. Pitching depth. I like the move. Mets need starting pitching depth. They got him for nothing. Uh, good move. But baseball's kind of dry. The Nolan Arenado trade was crazy. Uh, Rockies actually a shit show franchise. Mm-hmm. They traded the best player their franchise ever developed. And paid the team trading for him fifty million <laughs> to get a ticket just because they didn't want to pay his contract. Fifty so, million. So Nolan Arenado was traded from the Rockies to the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. The Rockies sent Arenado, the best player they've ever developed, probably top four player in all baseball, really good, to the Cardinals and sent fifty million. And what they got back was mid-level prospects, mm-hmm. not even one superstar prospect, not even. One decent, you know, everyday player that they can BS throw out there every kind of every day, pretend like you know he's good. Um, so I just, you know, Rockies are not trying to win. Ninety percent of baseball is not really trying to win, other than a handful of teams, Mets, Yankees, yeah. you know. So baseball kind of boring right now. Player union and the player union and the MLB owners are fighting like crazy. Probably going to be a strike happening soon with baseball. Probably next mm-hmm. year when the CBA happens. Might not see baseball next year, so if you're a baseball fan, definitely enjoy watching this upcoming season because there might not be a season next year. What's the what's the strike about? So the players' union and the owners have just been going at it for years now. Mm-hmm. Players want certain things, like there's certain things that they're both fighting over, but it's stupid. So the DH, right, mm-hmm. the designated hitter. Yeah. So the National League currently doesn't have the DH, but. Everybody wants the DH. The owners want it. The players want it. The fans want it. For most, mostly the fans. Mm-hmm. Why do they want it? Because that's one more player getting paid. That's a one more position, you know, player getting paid. It keeps the pitchers from getting hurt. The owners don't want their investments getting hurt. Like they don't want to pay a two hundred million dollar pitcher. Then he gets hurt swinging a bat. Mm-hmm. So both sides want it, but because the relationship's so bad, it's the struggle just to even try to get that in. Even when both sides want something, they can't even get the DH. Like that's. Like if I wanted something and you wanted something, right? And we mm-hmm. both agreed we wanted it, and we couldn't get a deal done. That would be pretty embarrassing. Yeah. So they're fighting. The players just—they don't like that the MLB is just not spending money. Year in year out, there's two thirds of the league not spending money, not competing, not paying players. They're running out there with like thirty, forty million dollar budgets. When meanwhile, these owners are like multi-millionaires, like or billionaires, you know, like really rich people. And they always complain that they don't make enough money, but they're they're millionaires, like hundred millionaires and billionaires. And then the owners are saying we don't want to pay you guys because they make up excuses like when we give out big contracts they don't work out. You give a ten ten year contract and it screws you over and stuff. Because mm-hmm. it's true. Because seem like the Angels they paid Albert Pujols a ten year contract. He's still under that contract. Paid him mega millions, mega million dollars. 
And he's kind of crippling that franchise financially, you know? Yeah. Because he got old. Albert Pools was a great player, but he got old. And he's kind of ruining the Angels right now from getting someone better, you know? Mm-hmm. So tensions are not really good in baseball. P- owners don't like spending. Players don't like that. They're cat and dog right now. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, so it's going to be an interesting offseason for MLB for all the wrong reasons for another yeah. another year. You don't, you don't want to see a strike. I mean, I don't think the players don't want to go on strike. They want to be out there playing the game that they love, you know? Mm-hmm. Owners want to make the money. Yeah, fans don't want to see that. They want to see their favorite players play. They want to see their favorite teams play, represent their city, you know? Yeah, strike is uh, where all parties lose. Yeah, definitely. That's, is that something that if you can avoid, you have to try to avoid? Mm-hmm. That's really bad. It um, doesn't happen often either. No, I think the last... Was it the NFL referees was the last one? Was or was it the basketball? One? I think mm-hmm. the, the referee ones is more uh, recent Re- than the yeah. a- a- NBA one. Because that was a disaster. Yeah. Totally the, what, what were they? Replacement refs? Oh, they, those are horrible. Yep. They, it's crazy to think that the outcome of a season and and the Super Bowl w- was to be determined by these replacement refs, you know? Yeah, there was a lockout in uh, 2012-2013 for the hockey, so I thought. Oh, yeah, there was. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how about the basketball? Was that 2011 or something? Uh, Yeah, 2011. There was also an NFL lockout, too, same year. Yeah, wow, two lockouts, same year. And then the yeah, NHL was next year? NHL was 12-13, to 13, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Like, end of 12 into the beginning of Honestly, it sounds like this is kind of overdue for baseball then. No? Yeah, I mean, let me see. Last... Uh, Last MLB one was there was a minor league baseball umpire strike. Yeah, no. In two thousand six, nineteen ninety nine major league umpires association mass resignation resignation. Mm. Uh, ninety four ninety five was the last MLB baseball strike. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of remember uh, hearing about that mm-hmm. when I was a kid, and it was pretty ugly there too. So, yeah. Listen, baseball has bad publicity right now. It's like every offseason, there's a big scandal or story that's not baseball that's everybody's talking about. Mm. So, like, this year, no, none of the owners are spending money. Next year is probably going to be union fight. Last year was um, the Astros cheating. And it's always some shit with baseball. It's never about baseball. It's always about some shit. They got to do a better job, you know? I feel like the Astros thing was very detrimental yeah. to baseball. And they didn't even... Had they... Punish them harshly. Mm-hmm. I think you can uh, argue that okay, you know, we can continue going forward, but they just gave him a slap on the wrist for cheating and winning the ultimate goal, which was a yeah. World Series. Which you know, all these players were working hard to get yeah. there, and then they just took a shortcut to get there, pretty much. So baseball is not in a good state right now, which sucks. And I love baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else, Dad? <laughs> Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. wants to go to the D League, the G League. Yeah, is that worth newsworthy? <laughs> I mean, it's just funny to me. Yeah, the the prize yeah, jewel in the trade. Yeah, in the KP trade in the G League. Not for nothing though. Uh, I seen on Twitter, it was a Mavs post. It wasn't even Nick's post. It was a Mavs post, and they were like, "Can Kristaps Porzingis actually be a second option on a good team?" Mm-hmm. And then in the and there was a poll. It was like, um, yes, no. Yeah. And I voted no, just because I don't like KP. 
But it was 93% no <laughs> on a Mavs page. Now, I don't know if all those people that voted were Mavs fans or Knicks fans, but I thought that was hilarious that the trade kind of seems like a lose-lose right now. Yeah. So. I think the Mavericks need another piece. Yeah, I think they need a real number two and let Porzingis slide down to like their third option. Because mm-hmm. he, he hasn't really lived up to he, – he's not the a good supporting cast for Luka right now. For whatever reason that he's not – Picking up his uh, half of the load. Yeah, so I, I mean, Luca's having a monster season too. Yeah, right now it's like Luca's putting in like eighty percent, and you all you really want from Porzingis to put in the rest twenty. He's not really doing it. Maybe eighty is too much, but maybe like sixty forty, right? Yeah. And KP is only giving you like twenty. You know, so they need that third piece. Maybe Bradley Beal. That could yeah. be a good move. But I don't really want Dallas to win because we have their pick. Yeah. And I think that would be absolutely hilarious if they won the lottery and got their pick. That would be that would be so Knicks in the in the reverse. Well, Mavericks thirteenth in the West right now, so yeah. I mean, anything can happen in the lottery, right? That's true. Even the Knicks fans know, Cavs fans know too. <laughs> uh, anything else to mention? Can't think of anything. Watched a couple thirty for thirties this week. That's about it. Talk about your thirty for thirties. Yeah, this is how we gonna pat it out. What are we at? Is how we gonna get to an hour? No, I mean, um, don't you do your daily, your weekly thirty for thirty, anyways? Yeah, it's true. Finish the OJ one. Really, really well done. Uh, probably one of the favorite like documentaries in general. Not even like thirty for thirty, just favorite documentaries that I've ever watched. Mm-hmm. How well done it is. How much they go into these cases and the people that they bring in for it. And then they talk about you know what happens to OJ after. And, like, the, do you remember the whole thing where he kidnapped that guy for selling his merch or whatever? Mm. And that's when he actually went to jail and he got, like, the 33-year suspension. Or, I mean, the 33 years in jail, shit like that. You know, that's when they really, like, hammered it on him. It was mm. really good. Really enjoyed that. I watched a, a Ric Flair one yeah. talking okay. about, you know, how he started. What, like, and what the funniest shit to me in it was they were like, have you ever thought about, like, being monogamous, which is, like, when you're faithful to, like, one partner? Uh. He's like, yeah, I tried it for, like, a day. Didn't enjoy it. <laughs> and then, like, the first five minutes, they're, like, they introduce, like, this woman. And it's, like, on the bottom, it says, Ric Flair's first wife. And I was like, oh, my God. How many does he have? I had to look it up. He has four separate wives. You know, That's that crazy. man was just living the dream. Just wrestling. Making a, babies. A true hero. Drinking, yeah. I mean, inspiration. He survived. You know, I didn't know he survived the plane crash. Like when he was young, he was uh, I don't know how old he was, but it was like early on in his career. Mm-hmm. And like the plane he was in crashed, he survived, and he still went on to you know be the nature boy, probably one of the biggest wrestlers of all time. Ric Flair is a legend, man. Yeah, I mean everyone knows Ric Flair. The Ric Flair chop. Mm-hmm. You know, from Conor McGregor all the way to, you know, the Migos making a song about him. Not the Migos, but Offset making a song about him, you know? Mm. Like, he's a he's a pop culture icon, I'd say. I think he transcends wrestling, kind of like The Rock does. Yeah. And like, maybe even John Cena, someone like that. Really transcends it. Mm. Um, and today I watched the Chuck versus Tito. So Chuck Liddell versus Tito Ortiz. Mm. And kind of how they helped put UFC on the map. Um, what was it like? Tito Ortiz is like this like loud mouth, like shit talking guy. Chuck Liddell just wants to like beat the shit out of people. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And I mean, he he beat up 
Tito Ortiz in the first fight. And then they fought again. I think UFC... I don't know what number it was, but it was like the first UFC to have a million buy rate. So like a million people bought UFC, whatever. And they saw Chuck Liddell beat his ass again. And then they were talking about, you know, how they retired after that. Chuck Liddell kind of like fell off. I don't know what happened. Like uh, he maybe grew a glass jaw or something. Tried to get knocked out left and right. Tito Ortiz was just... I mean, they both kind of fell off after that fight. Hmm. I think and it was then, UFC 66. Yeah, sounds about right. Something like that. Hmm. And they had a third fight recently. In 2018 for a Golden Boy. Did they really? Should, yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> Tito Ortiz finally won. You know, for the trilogy. He, he won the last one. And the pay-per-view only uh, ended up getting like 25,000 buys. That's when you were expecting like 2,500,000, 300,000, you know? Mm. And now Tito Ortiz is the mayor and he hates, you know, wearing masks. That's what a what a what a come around, like you know like yeah full circle. one thing I learned is that Tito Ortiz is not the smartest uh, smartest <laughs> person in the world. No, he ended up being the mayor from where he grew up, Huntington Beach, and uh, I think he's anti-vaxxer, anti-masker, oh doesn't okay. believe in the corona and shit like that. These brawler guys, they they think they're indestructible, but die to the cold, you know. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, you you look at both of them and you kind of think like Chuck Liddell's the meathead. Mm. But, I mean, he didn't really come off like that. So Tito Ortiz is actually the idiot. Yeah. Also, Dana White spends half the 30 for 30 talking shit about Tito Ortiz and how he's like a dumbass and how much he hates him and whatever. Why does he hate him? Um, I actually forgot why, but... Dana White hates everybody. That's true. But he, they were supposed to like box, apparently, Tito Ortiz and Dana White. He and they like, didn't? Fight. Yeah, no, they didn't. That's he weird. said that he was going to... Because he doesn't want to fight Chuck Liddell because they used to spar mm-hmm. and Chuck Liddell would be his ass in sparring. Hmm. And so he didn't want to come fight him the second time, and he was like, "I'll fight him again, only if you box me, three minutes, hmm. three rounds." Hmm. But it never happened. So, so I think that's about it, right? Yeah, that's my thirty for thirty reviews. We had the amazing award ceremony. Uh, we'll be mailing out awards to all players that won. We got to get our uh, we got to get our sweatshop working on those fifty-two awards for the Falcons. Yeah, I don't even think they're ready for that one. <laughs> no. And then we talked about the NBA, talked about NFL, talked about Super Bowl, talked about Deshaun Watson, Matthew Stafford, the Nets, the Knicks, a little bit of baseball, union strike, um, and the 30 for 30. So overall, pretty good pod. Yeah, I think so too. All right, so we'll catch you guys next week. Same time, same place. Yep. See ya. Bye.